And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Can't wait to the old west in the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is October 31st. Halloween. It's the 304th day of the year. Have 61 days remain till the year's over with. The uh, holidays observances that you all ask me to list every show. As I said, this is Halloween. It's National Caramel Apple Day. National Unity Day. Books for Treats Day. <clears throat> Girl Scout Founders Day. It commemorates uh, Juliet Gordon Lowe, who founded the Girl Scouts. It's Magic Day, National Doorbell Day, um, National Knock Knock Joke Day, National Prince Day, <clears throat> Losing My Voice, Reformation Day, Samhain, this is uh, time to call out to the gods on the night, World Cities Day, and World Savings Day. Now, as I say, it's October 31st, and on this date in 475 A.D., Romulus Augustulus is proclaimed Western Roman Emperor. Remember, the Roman Empire was so big, it had to be divided into two. The Western Roman Empire, based in Rome, and the Eastern Roman Empire, based in Constantinople. 683, during the siege of Mecca, the Kaaba catches fire and is burned down. Now, for those who are not familiar what the Kaaba was also known as Al-Kabah, Al-Masharafah. Um, it's a stone building at the center of Islam's most important mosque and holiest site, the Majid al-Haram in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. It's considered by Muslims to be the uh, house of God. And uh, it's the uh, Qibla for Muslims around the world. The current structure was built after the original building was damaged by fire during the siege of Mecca by Umayyads in 683. 802, Empress Irene is deposed and banished to Lesbos. Conspirators place uh, Nicephorus, the Minister of Finance, on the Byzantine throne. The uh, Emperor Irene was uh, Irene of Athens, actually. Uh, the Byzantine Empress consort to Emperor Leo IV from 775 to 780. Regent during the childhood of their son, Constantine VI. Co-ruler from 792 to 797. And finally, the Empress Regnant and sole ruler of the East Roman Empire. She was a member of a politically prominent Greek family, selected as Leo IV's bride for some unknown reason. Even though her husband was an iconoclast, she harbored uh, iconophile sympathies. Now, iconoclast, um, the Byzantine iconoclasm was a uh, Two periods in the history of the Byzantine Empire when the use of religious images or icons was opposed by religious and parallel authorities. And uh, an iconophile means one who serves images. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. 932. Abbasid Caliph al-Muqtarir is killed while fighting against the forces of General Munis al-Musafar 
Um, Almuk Tardir's brother, Alkai, is chosen to succeed him as caliph. 1517, Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther posts his 95 thesis on the door of the castle church in uh, Wittenberg. 1587, Leiden University Library opens its doors after its founding in 1575. 1822, Emperor Augustine de Itabride attempts to dissolve the Congress of the Mexican Empire. 1837, about 300 Muscogee die in the steamboat uh, Monmouth disaster on the Trail of Tears in the, in the U.S. Muscogee was a, uh, also known as the Muscogee Creek and the Muscogee Creek Confederacy. A group of related indigenous people from the southeastern woodlands in the U.S. Historical homes are now what's uh, southern Tennessee, much of Alabama, western Georgia, and part of northern Florida. But they were forcibly removed to the Indian Territory by the federal government in the 1830s uh, during the Trail of Tears. 1863, the New Zealand Wars resume as British forces in New Zealand, led by General Duncan Cameron, begin their invasion of Wakato. 1864, Nevada is admitted as the 36th U.S. state. 1895, the strongest earthquake in the Midwestern U.S. since 1812 strikes near Charleston, Missouri. Caused a lot of damage and killed at least two. 1903. The Purdue wreck. A railroad train collision in Indianapolis killed 17, including 14 players at a Purdue University football team. 1907. Paramount of Finland approved the Prohibition Act, but the law wasn't implemented because it wasn't ratified by Tsar Nicholas II of Russia. Now, the Prohibition Act... Well, um, well, what happened? My system went to an entirely different um, hmm. I don't know. It went away. Okay. 1913, um, dedication of Lincoln Highway, the first automobile highway across the U.S. Also in 1913, the Indianapolis streetcar strike and subsequent riots began. 1917, World War I, Battle of Beersheba, last successful cavalry charge in history. The um, fall on October 31st, 1917, British Empire's Egyptian Expeditionary Force attacked and <coughs> captured the uh, Ildrim Army Group garrison at Beersheba. That began the Southern Palestine Offensive of the Sinai and the Palestine Campaign of World War I. 1918, World War I, the Asta Revolution terminates the Austro-Hungarian Compromise of 1867, and Hungary achieves full sovereignty. 1922, Benito Mussolini is made Prime Minister of Italy. He had a good long run before he got overthrown and hung. Nineteen twenty-three. The first of 160 consecutive days of 
100 degrees at uh, Marble Bar in Western Australia. 1924. World Savings Day is announced in Milan, Italy by the members of the association at the First International Savings Bank Congress. Uh, it was known as the World Society of Savings Banks. 1938, Great Depression. In an effort to restore investor confidence, New York Stock Exchange unveils a 15-point program aimed to upgrade protection for the investing public. 1940, World War II, the Battle of Britain ends, causing Germany to abandon Operation Sea Lion, which was their proposed invasion of uh, the British Isles. 1941, after 14 years of work, Mount Rushmore is completed. Also in 41, World War II, the destroyer USS Reuben James is torpedoed by a German U-boat near Iceland. Killed more than 100 U.S. Navy sailors. The first U.S. Navy vessel sunk by enemy action in World War II. That is not a title you want to have if you can help it. 1943, an F-4U Corsair accomplishes the first successful radar-guided interception by a United States Navy or Marine Corps aircraft. 1956, Suez Crisis. The U.K. and France began bombing Egypt to force the reopening of the Suez Canal. Also in 56, Hungarian Revolution of 56. Well, on this date in 1956, we had the Hungarian Revolution of 1956. Revolutionary headquarters established in Hungary following uh, Emre Nagy's announcement about October 30th, banned non-communist political parties are reformed. And the MDP is replaced by the MSZMP. Jo uh, Joseph Mazentli is released from prison. And the Soviet Politburo makes the decision to crush the revolution. 1961, in the Soviet Union, Joseph Stalin's body is removed from Lenin's mausoleum, now known as the Lenin tomb. And they forbid people from going in drinking sodas. Nineteen sixty three, Indiana State Fairgrounds Coliseum gas explosion. A gas explosion at the Indiana State Fairgrounds Coliseum in Indianapolis killed eighty one and injured another four hundred during an ice show. Nineteen sixty eight, Vietnam War, October Surprise. Citing progress with the Paris peace talks, President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, announces to the nation he's ordered a complete secession of all air, naval, and artillery bombardment of North Vietnam, effective November 1st. And then in 1973, we had the Mount Joy Prison helicopter escape. Three provisional Irish Republican Army members escaped from Mount Joy Prison in Dublin and boarded a hijacked helicopter that landed in the exercise rate yard. And that took some coordination and timing. 1979, Western Airlines Flight 2605 crashes on landing to Mexico City. Kills 73 people. 1984, Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi assassinated by two Sikh security guards. Riots break out in New Delhi and other cities and around 3,000 Sikhs are killed. 1994, American Eagle Flight 4184 crashes near Roselawn, Indiana, killed all 68 people on board. 1996, 
TAM Transportes Aereo Regionals Flight 402 crashes in Sao Paulo, Brazil, killed 99 people. 1998, Iraq disarmament crisis begins. Iraq announces it will no longer cooperate with United Nations weapon inspectors. 1999, yachtsman Jesse Martin returns to Melbourne after 11 months of circumnavigating the world solo, nonstop, and unassisted. 1999, Egypt Air Flight 990 crashes into the Atlantic Ocean near Nantucket, killing all 217 people on board. 2000, so he has TM-31 launches, carrying the first resident crew to the International Space Space Station. And there's been a crew continually on the space station since that time. Also in 2000, Singapore Airlines Flight 6 crashes on takeoff from Taipei, killing 83. 2002, a federal grand jury in Houston, Texas, indicts former Enron Chief Financial Officer Andrew Fastow and 78 counts of wire fraud, money laundering, conspiracy, and obstruction of justice. That's related to the collapse of his uh, former employer, Enron. 2003, Mahathir Mohamed resigns as uh, Prime Minister Malaysia and replaced by Deputy Prime Minister Abdullah Ahmad Badawi, marking an end to uh, Mahathir's 22 years in power. 2011, the global population of humans reaches 7 billion on this date. Days not recognized by the United Nations, the day is 7 billion. Very original name. 2014, during a test flight, the VSS Enterprise, a Virgin Galactic Experimental Space Flight, uh, space flight Test Vehicle, suffers a catastrophic in-flight breakup and crashes in the Mojave Desert, California. 2015, Metro Jet Flight 9268 bombed over the northern Sinai Peninsula, killed all 224 people on board. 2017, truck drives into a crowd in lower Manhattan, New York City, killing eight people. And in 2020, Berlin-Brandenburg Airport opens its doors after nearly 10 years of delays due to construction issues and project corruption. There's always corruption when you've got government contracts. You can rest assured of that. Well, well, there's been a lot of um, interesting stories about um, the current war in the Middle East. Now, Hamas... Um, attacked, killed a lot of people. And now they're unhappy that uh, the Israelis are striking back. All their uh, allies around the world are trying to get a ceasefire so that they have time to rebuild and do it again. Part of the problem is they do have these international allies. Even in this country, the FBI is warning that uh, terrorism uh, threat hits a whole other level after the Hamas attack. Um, that's going to FBI Director Christopher Wray, saying the big players in terrorism have all renewed calls to attack America in its interest. And thanks to our illustrious leader, who threw open the southern border, um, quite a number of folks on the um, terrorist watch list just walked across the border. Um, 
Al-Qaeda has issued its most specific call for attacks on the U.S. in years. Islamic State leaders have ordered followers to attack Jewish communities and Hezbollah is eyeing U.S. targets in the Middle East. And I saw a story today that the U.S. Air Force has just attacked um, targets in Syria. So it looks like we've got a major kafluffle going on. And I'm sure you all heard the story about the Russian mob that attacked the airport. Uh, when they heard that a plane from Tel Aviv was going to land, they wanted to... I mean, there were kids as young as eight years old saying they came to kill Jews. That is absolutely reprehensible and ridiculous. To teach kids that young, it's okay to kill. They're going to learn soon enough. Um, during my time in the military, um, if we had been attacked, there would have been a, an ass-kicking and stomping session like you wouldn't believe. But now under our progressive leaders, maybe they just don't understand they're not supposed to shoot us. you got to wonder, uh, does anybody really have an idea of what's happening? Um, Kamala Harris, who's the vice president, supposed to be... Uh, the borders are last I knew had not even come to the border so she's a, a dependable border czar no question about it alright as you know today is October 31st it's Halloween and I spent 20 years doing ghost tours here in El Paso which I believe is the most haunted city in the country I've written a number of books about the ghost of El Paso. And I've seen things that if somebody had told me about them, I wouldn't have believed them, but I saw them. Um, we have the oldest smelter in Texas, here in El Paso. And I took part in a tour of that. And I got tired and I sat down in a one of the buildings by myself, the building was empty, been empty for a decade. I started hearing voices and hearing machines running. And I talked to one of the security guards who said one night he and a couple of others were making the rounds in a Jeep because the smelter covered a, a good large area. And they rounded a corner and saw a work crew coming back from finishing their shift. And by the time they could get turned around and go back, there was nobody there. So there's a lot of strangeness in El Paso. We've got tunnels underneath the city that haven't been explored. You know, the, you know throughout history, people have searched for ways to explain the unexplainable. Most of the time, the answers to their questions have been provided by science. And that's through a reasoned approach that included observation, investigation, um, experimentation, analysis. In this manner, researchers unravel the mysteries that surrounded such questions as that people have been asking. But other phenomena experienced by some people are 
resistant to uh, scientific methodology and procedure. Where science fails the supernatural, that e which exists beyond the visible, observable universe often fills the void as it has for generations. Long as stories have been passed around and handed down. You know, a lot of Americans accept the paranormal as literally normal. Going to a 2019 YouGov poll, more than 4 in 10 believe in the existence of ghosts or demons. I mean, it's only a short step from a mother-in-law to a demon, so... And two in ten claim to have actually seen a spook, a specter, or an apparition. The latest statistic translates to roughly 66 million people with ghost stories. A lot of people aren't just ready to believe, they really do believe. And part of the allure of a belief in the occult is the thrill that comes from being scared. Same sort of rush that comes from riding roller coasters, I guess. It's because the one of the hormones released during the frightening activities is the same as the one produced during uh, exciting times. Dopamine, uh, also known as the feel-good hormone. Now, science might not be able to explain the supernatural, but can at least provide some explanation for why it continues to fascinate. Now... As I learned, in 1999, I was, for my birthday, given a ghost tour. And 2002, I was forced to medically retire. And I'd always liked writing and reading. So I had been reading a lot about um, the history of this area. You know, the Old West has always fascinated me. So on the tour that I took, it turned out I knew more stories than the people giving the tour did. So they asked me to relate some of them, and I did. Well, in 2002, I took over doing the tours. And I did them until... No, I took over in 2000. I did them until... Uh, 2020, COVID kind of put an end to things, and the fact that I had written so many books about the ghost of El Paso, people bought the books, memorized the stories, and started doing their own tours using my information, and that was kind of frustrating. Now, at the time I started doing my tours, I didn't know there was something called dark tourism, and that's basically what ghost tours are. Now, some time back, I did a story about some unsolved murders. And in um, a town by the name of Villisca, Iowa, it was uh, considered a show place in the town at that time. But a man and his wife, their four kids, and two guests that had come home with them from a church event were murdered in their beds by somebody with an axe. And it was called the Villisca Axe Murders. 
Well. The whole industry has grown up around ghost tours and the supernatural. <clears throat> now, a couple by the name of Darwin and Martha Lynn bought the uh, house where the Villisca Axe murders took place. <clears throat> a three-bedroom house. They bought it in 94 and converted it into a historic museum. Now, in the late 1890s, the Axe murders took place. And they figured folks would pay to tour the house, and they were absolutely right. Soon after they bought it, they got an influx of requests from paranormal investigators who wanted to visit the house to commune with the ghost of the victims. Little White Farmhouse uh, they bought uh, didn't just have a creepy history. had a reputation of being haunted. Just got a notification. Where is it? those that follow the uh, Golden Age of Movies, that on the loose on the edge of doom actress Joan Evans just died at the age of 89. She was Joan Crawford's goddaughter, and uh, she was big in the movies in the 1950s. Uh, her parents, Dale Unson and Catherine Albert, who were both screenwriters, wrote the 1951 film On the Loose, and their daughter starred in it. Uh, in 1952, she starred alongside Esther Williams in the musical Skirts Ahoy. Well, for the next decade or so, she continued to star in films uh, such as Edge of Doom and On Her Own and Column South and No Name on the Bullet. The uh, Joan Evans was a New York native, born in 1934. Uh, at that time, her mother was a Hollywood reporter for a photo play. And uh, she offered, covered, often covered Joan Crawford as she rose to fame. They were best friends. Um, so it's uh, sad that that generation is literally dying away. Uh, another piece of news that just came in, the uh, Israeli forces just uh, um, attacked and supposedly destroyed Hamas's main naval base. Apparently they had uh, an air arm and a sea arm and uh, they, they rolled about everything on one roll of the dice and it looks like they may have lost. Well, Martha Lynn got to work on this house they bought. Restored it to look exactly as it did in 1912 at the time of the murders. It's been open for business ever since. She uh, did the restoration. For $428, groups of six or fewer can book an overnight to sweep up the original sleep where the original owners were killed. Now, for those that are not as... Uh, well bankrolled or less courageous daytime tours are available $10 a person. Now hotel owners do this all the time. Take their property's sorted reputation whether it's earned or made up and repurpose it into a marketing scheme. I mean a prime example is the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado which became infamous as the 
inspiration for Stephen King's 1977 horror novel, The Shining. King and his wife uh, had a spooky experience there, and it became a book. Standard Kubrick's 1980 film adaptation put the hotel on the map, even though it wasn't filmed there. So after years of declining bookings, management decided to take that newfound fame and leverage it into something else. Now, dark tourism is a new concept. I mean, let's look at the Colosseum in Rome or even war memorials and museums. In a sense, you can look at these sites as classrooms. Uh, according to Tock Thompson, a Ph.D., a folklorist and anthropology professor at the University of Southern California, uh, people need to be reminded of the horrors of the past. Once people learn about them, they can make a commitment to do better. I've always heard... Uh, those who fail to appreciate the past are doomed to repeat it. Now, ghost stories about homes in particular ask us to confront our deepest fears about history and family issues and death and more and work, trying to work through them. That's why we keep streaming information, booking rooms at spooky mansions and checking under the bed before we go to sleep. I mean, as Thompson said, what are we haunted by? We're haunted by moral lapses. We listen to ghost stories. We can be better informed about how to be better people. Now, unfortunately, there are um, quite a number. All right, the Velisca Axe Murder House. first glance, it looks like a dollhouse in its simple layout. Three-bedroom house, 508 East 2nd Street in Villisca, Iowa. It's got the ubiquitous look of countless other cozy farmhouses across the country. But it's got a deep, dark history you wouldn't suspect at first glance. One night in 1912, eight people, the Home's occupants, Josiah B. Moore, 43, his wife, Sarah, 39, their four children, Herman, who was 11, Catherine was 10, Arthur was 7, and Paul was 5. And they had two guests, Ina Stillinger, who was 8, and Lena Stillinger, who was 12. And they were all killed in the house in a grisly case that certainly stunned the town. And it immediately went cold because it wasn't a single suspect. Now, a thorough investigation of the crime scene turned up some interesting things. Number one, a hidden attic. A door that locked from the inside. And linens that covered every wounded mirror. Now, every single suspect and every lead that was developed basically turned into a dead end. But in spite of that, the story of the Velisca house didn't stop there. The house changed hands a few times in the, since 1912, and the reported ghost encounters keep accumulating. I mean, the spooky happenings include disembodied giggles and screams and unexplained movements, uh, Strange fog that rolls from room to room when the train passes through town at the time of the murders. 
And the curious behavior from visitors that suggests the possibility of possession or just some of the activities that make the house a terrifying place to be. And solidifies its title as one of America's most haunted houses. Today that house serves as a paranormal hotel operated by, as I said, Martha and Lynn and her husband. Accommodations are spare. In fact, it's recommended guests pack their own sleeping bag. I mean, not that they're expected to get much sleep while they're there. According to Lynn, she simply hands the guests the keys when they arrive and leaves them alone for the night. But there's an interesting aspect. It probably won't be alone if it's really as haunted as it's said to be. As for Lynn, she doesn't like to talk about her own ghost sightings in the house so as to not color the experience of the guest. But she did, when uh, questioned, share what she thinks, who she thinks the ghosts are. She says, I feel like there's something there. If indeed there are spirits, you have to realize six of them are children. And she doesn't know if the murderer still exists there, uh, but there have been a, quite a few things that have happened that aren't exactly calming. But she doesn't like to talk about it. Now from the Velisca Axe Murder House, let's go to the uh, the Harlow Burn House in Los Angeles, California. It's high up in the hills above Los Angeles, nestled in the trees of Benedict Canyon. It's a 1930 craftsman-style house that was once home to one of Hollywood's biggest stars. From the outside, its stone stairways and honeycomb glass windows and towering turret make the house look as if it was taken right out of a fairy tale, but uh, the true story of uh, the house at 9820 Easton Drive is exactly the opposite. It's commonly referred to as the Harlow Burn House. It's the home, home gets its name from the original owners, actor Jean Harlow and her husband, movie producer Paul Byrne. The couple was married for just two months before something happened. September 5th, 1932, Byrne was found dead with a single gunshot wound to the head and a 38 caliber revolver in his hand. body was discovered by household staff, who, uh, rather than call the police, immediately contacted executives at MGM, studio where Byrne worked. And though his death was ruled a suicide by the police, some believe he was murdered in the studio, covered it up to save Harlow's career. Now, whatever may be the case, Byrne wouldn't be the last owner of that house to suffer an untimely death. You have to remember... Until, oh, I guess the 50s, early 60s, the studios controlled everything. And there's a number of murder cases where the studio executives came in and cleaned up uh, to keep uh, bad information about their stars from getting out. 1963, the house was sold to celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring. A year later, he began dating an aspiring actress named Sharon Tate. Now, they eventually split, but they remained friends to have both brutally murdered on August 9, 1969, by members of the Manson family cult. Sebring, along with Coffee Iris, they began a folger and her boyfriend, screenwriter Wojciech Frakowski, had been uh, staying with Tate, who was eight months pregnant. The, um, they were staying at, um, 10050 Cielo Drive home. She and her husband, uh, Roman Pulaski, was renting. 
And while the events of that night didn't take place at the Harlow Burn house, an alleged interview from Tate the year before suggests, before her death suggests a chilling connection. In 1970, Fate magazine published the article Sharon Tate's preview of murder, which included a 1968 interview between uh, Tate and journalist uh, Dick Kleiner. And in it, Tate recalls an early encounter that happened while she was staying at the Sebring house. Uh, according to the story, Tate woke up in the middle of the night and saw a man in her bedroom who resembled Byrne. Well, frightened, she ran out of the, the room and down the stairs where she saw a figure tied to the staircase with his, uh, or maybe her, throat slash. He couldn't tell the sex. Article speculates the dream was actually a premonition predicting her and Sebring's fate. And though Tate's loved ones deny she ever had any such premonition, the articles have led many to believe that maybe the ghost of Byrne returned at a home to try to warn Tate. And although the current owner who bought the house from Sebring's parents in 1970 says he and his wife never had any paranormal experiences while living there, the, the creepy coincidences, you have to admit, are impossible to ignore. In addition to the unexpected deaths of Bird and Sebring, their partners, Harlow and Tate, um, two actresses who captivated Hollywood both died at age 26. And uh, there's... Uh, You know, a lot of little details that uh, never made the the reports because they didn't fit in with the uh, what the studio wanted. Now let's talk about uh, let's go to Gardner, Massachusetts, the S.K. Pierce Mansion. And not all the ghosts at this mansion are said to be dark and menacing. It's believed the spirit of Maddie Cornwall, the the nanny that cared for the Pierce children, acted as a protector of the house, keeping other spirits in check and warding off un unwelcome trespassers. Now, it towers over the corner of West Broadway and Union Street in Gardner, Massachusetts. It's this mansion, and that's exactly what it is. It's a mansion. It's gray siding and black shutters is the, the perfect representation of a haunted house. Unlike most other notoriously haunted houses in the country, uh, the S.K. Pierce Mansion was never the scene of any infamous crime. Rather, it was a dream of a wealthy businessman that upon its completion in 1875 turned into an actual nightmare. Classic Victorian mansion with 6,661 square feet is named after its original owner, furniture manufacturer Sylvester Knowlton Pierce. He spared no expense building the three-story house, but he barely had time to enjoy it before tragedy struck. Two weeks after moving in, his wife, Susan, died from a flesh-eating bacterial infection. And after Pierce himself died at home in 1888, the house was willed to a second wife, Ellen, who also eventually died there. Home was then left to Pierce's three sons, who spent years fighting over ownership until the two eldest sons moved away. Well, gaining control of this Victorian mansion didn't result in happiness for the youngest son, Edward. His two-year-old uh, daughter, Rachel, died of a bacterial infection in the house. And after the Great Depression depleted the family's fortune, he and his wife converted it into a boarding house to make ends meet. Well, by 1965, the house was falling apart, and Edward was forced to actually give it away. Well, the fifth, per the fifth person known to have died in the mansion was Eno Soria, a gardener uh, resident and World War II uh, vet, 
who lived there when it was a boarding house. 1963, he burned to death at age 49 in the main bedroom after his mattress caught fire. It was considered a mysterious death. Since then, several visitors describe a similar experience in the main bedroom. For a second, they smelled the scent of something burning and also stories of a childlike spirit thought to be Rachel playing on the third floor. Well, in the two years that Edwin Gonzalez and Lillian Otero lived there in 2009 through 11, neighbors described seeing a boy with a yellow hair running between the windows. The couple didn't have any children. Edwin and Lillian also encountered multiple entities in the house, including a shadow figure in the basement and a woman with a creepy smile who may have been uh, tried to possess Lillian. In fact, uh, Joni Mahan wrote a book about these experiences called uh, Bones in the Basement. But the current owners who bought the house sight unseen in April 2015 opened up for historical tours and overnight, weekly, and monthly rentals. Certainly, when you've got something that's got a unique history, there's always to um, investigate, so to speak. Then in Los Angeles, we got the famous Playboy Mansion. You know, the Playboy Mansion's seen its fair share of residents and guests, most living and breathing, and some apparently not so much. One of Hugh Hefner's former girlfriends, Bridget Marcad, who gave Dark um, House some um, intel on the ghost encounters she had while living there from 2002 to 2009, including the appearance of an apparition in her bedroom closet. She said, My sister, myself, and my friend Stacy were all sitting on my bed talking, having a glass of wine, and the TV was to- uh, playing. All of a sudden, out of the corner of all our eyes, we saw a woman standing in my closet. Marcotte, who hosts the Ghost Magnet podcast, believes the spirit was the former social secretary of the mansion, a friendly house mom figure who looked out for all the residents and pets on the property. Marquette had met her years prior to living at the mansion during a visit. She died of cancer shortly before Marquette uh, moved in. The counter in the closet was shocking, but it wasn't scary, according to Marquette, adding that she believes the late secretary had come to see the new addition to the household, Marquette's new puppy, Winnie. She also recalled a vivid dream she had in which she met up with Hefner's spirit at the Playboy Mansion. She was able to say goodbye to her ex before he passed away September 27, 2017, and didn't attend his funeral. As she described her dream, she said, I could tell the house was sort of abandoned and he was gone, but I was there to see him. The mansion was dark and 1940s music was playing when suddenly he came down the stairs to greet her. Marconda explained he... He gave her what they called his big laugh, like this big cackle that he did, and he said, my darling, and put his arms around her. She said, I could feel the hug, I could feel the smoking jacket, I could smell his cologne. It was surreal. He said even after she woke up, she could still almost smell his cologne. Well, the, the mere fact that someone passes on doesn't mean they're gone by a long shot. We do not have any idea what um, what the afterlife is like. Let's go to Savannah, Georgia, the famous Mercer Williams House. It's the former home of antique collector and restorationist Jim Williams, lived there from 1969 to 1990. It's located at 429 Bull Street, 
Takes up the entire city block on Monterey Square and is one of the most spectacular houses in Savannah. But in true Southern Gothic fashion, peel back the layers of charm and you'll find something sinister hovering underneath. Known as the Mercer Williams House, the 7,000 square foot Italianate uh, mansion dates back to 1860. When General Hugh Mercer commissioned New York City-based architect uh, John Norris to build it. Construction was interrupted by the, the Civil War, and Mercer never lived in the house. According to the Georgia Historical Society, it was, the first, it was first occupied by John Wilder in 1868 and then abandoned for a number of years until Savannah's historic district was revitalized in the mid-20th century. And that's when Williams came to town. Today, it's a crucial stop on the city's many ghost tours, and it's also the residence that inspired John Barrett's best-selling 1994 novel, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And the house has seen at least three deaths, including that of 11-year-old Tommy Downs who fell off the roof in 1969. Also, the 1981 fatal shooting of Danny Hansford by Williams, and Williams himself uh, died in that same room less than a year after being acquitted of Hansford's death in a fourth trial. And long before the tragedies, though, the house played host to the busiest uh, Christmas party, and all Savannah guests lucky enough to attend would be in good company. Williams Price's antique collection included a golf, a gold crown cipher of Tsar Nicholas II, a piece from the state carriage used at the coronation of Napoleon, and a pair of ten thousand dollar crystal candlesticks that were gifted from Martha and George Washington to her daughter on her wedding day. That's just a few of the unique items that was in his collection. Also, a full blown organ installed in the home. Underneath this esteemed collection, the house itself is rumored to be built right on top of unmarked graves of people who died during the yellow fever epidemic in the 1800s. Well, gossip about the crime and soon paranormal tales swirl to this day. Many visitors reported visions of a little boy on the balcony or in a window. And a few years after Williams died, people started to report hearing a lively music and seeing the house lit up around Christmas. Of course, when the authorities arrived... No activity was seen. And the mansion's current owner and William's sister, Dorothy Kingery, focuses uh, museum tours on the home on the, of the home on the fabulous antiques and architectural details rather than the hauntings. But that doesn't stop the ghost stories from circulating, though. Like the house I grew up in, which was uh, considered antebellum in design. And the original part of the house was built in 1815. It was a log cabin. Back in the days when uh, you had to worry about the uh, raiders and um, what were referred to in Tennessee as Indian attacks, that uh, log cabin became the center of the house. And up in above the kitchen was a place where you hid from the Indians. Nobody knew it was there until... My grandmother had sold it and was moving out, and as the last piece of furniture was taken across the back doorstep, the ceiling let go and collapsed, and tons of water came down. There had been a leak in the the, uh, roof, and the area above the kitchen was so watertight, it just retained the water until the weight became too much. Well... In Burville, 
excuse me, Burrowville, Rhode Island, we have the Conjuring House. Built in 1736, it's a 14-room Cape Cod-style farmhouse in Burrowville, Rhode Island, known locally as the Farm on Round Top Road, owned by, for most of its history by a family near Darnell. But it wasn't until the house was sold in 1970 it began to earn a reputation as a house of horrors. Roger and Carolyn Perron moved in with their five daughters in January 1971 and lived in the house for almost ten years, all the while feeling as if they weren't the only occupants. They reported smelling rotting flesh and feeling their beds levitate in the middle of the night. Oldest daughter, Andrea Perron, has written three books about the house, claims one of her sisters had been possessed by a spirit on one occasion. They eventually sought the help of demonologist Ed Lorraine Warren, who told them the house was haunted by the spirit of a witch who had once lived there. And the property was sold in May of 2022 for a uh, reported $1.525 million, 27% more than the $1.2 million asking price. The house can be booked for day tours or overnight visits, during which paranormal investigations are highly encouraged. You never know. What's going to pop up? And the last one we're going to talk about today is the uh, Amityville Horror House in Amityville, New York. Early in the morning on November 13, 1974, 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. killed his mother, his father, two brothers, and two sisters at their home at 11, um, tw- uh, 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. It's on the southern shore of Long Island. Thirteen months later, a jury convicted him on six counts of second-degree murder. Then uh, shortly after that, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children, uh, her three children from a previous marriage, moved into the house, which the couple purchased for the bargain price of $80,000. Well, the Lutzes knew the place's history, so on the day they moved in, they had a priest bless the house. But it didn't help. George... Lutz later claimed the priest felt a slap from an unseen hand and heard a voice telling him to get out. And after that, the family heard doors slamming and smelled foul odors, felt cold, and found drops of slime on the carpet. George later said he'd be awakened at 3.15 every morning when DeFeo's believed to have murdered his family. George claimed on one occasion Kathy had been physically transformed into an old woman, and on another he'd been pinned in his bed for a, by an invisible force. Well, 28 days after moving in, they abandoned the house, leaving all their belongings behind. Well, we actually have time for one more. Let's go to Plainfield, Wisconsin. The farm that belonged to Ed Jen. Um... You know, Jen was arrested by authorities. After making, um, after they made several grisly finds at his farmhouse on November 18, excuse me, November 16, 1857. One more time. 1957, I can't read my own handwriting. The story served as inspiration for horror films such as Psycho and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Silence of the Lambs. Well, it all began while searching a shed behind the isolated farmhouse belonged to 50-year-old handyman Edward Jen. On November 16, 1957, 
Washara County Sheriff Arthur Slay made a gruesome discovery. He found the body of a woman, decapitated and disemboweled, strung up by the heels from the ceiling. The body was out of Bernice Warden, 58, a widow whose disappearance from a hardware store that, uh, that on that same day uh, had caused the search. Again, had been there before she vanished, and there were bloodstains on the floor, which prompted the investigation. Further search of the eight-room house turned up a lot of grisly finds, including human skulls, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and the warden's head in a burlap sack. That might even give the El Paso police um, reason to investigate, but then again, maybe not. Again, it killed at least two women, and who also regularly robbed uh, fresh barrel plots at the local cemeteries. He was obsessed with making a, a woman's suit out of the hides of his victims, and the bodies he stole from graves. Police found several items had been fashioned from human skin, among them leggings, a vest, and several belts and masks. Well, since the death of his mother in 1945, Gannett lived alone in the cluttered first-floor bedroom and kitchen of the house. Of the six rooms that hadn't been touched since his mother died were still neatly furnished in the style 50 years before, and the door leading from the kitchen to the rest of the house had been boarded up. In 1958, the farmhouse burned down under mysterious circumstances and never determined the cause of it. Guinness found guilty in 1968 of killing Warden, but deemed insane at the time of the crime. Committed to a mental hospital where he stayed till he died in 1984. Well, something for you to think about. There's a number of, um, especially on Halloween... There are ten must-watch scary movies you need to check out. There's a 1960 version of Psycho. There is Halloween, which was 1978. Rosemary Baby, who was also 1968. Alien, the original Alien, though I prefer the, the Aliens, the second one. Then there's The Exorcist of 1973, The Shining, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, Jaws, 1975, and The Ring, which was 2002. On that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and do a little bit more talking about... Uh, haunted locations for you to go spend your time. Till then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening. <laughs>